Science tells us that this universe is about 13.8 billion years old and that our planet formed about 4.5 billion years ago. The oldest fossils, that hint of life on Earth, date back to 3.5 billion years ago. The majority of Christian creationists claim that the creation of the universe, or at the very least, life on Earth, happened very recently, somewhere between 6 to 10,000 years ago. It would seem that the gap between creationists and science is wide and deep. But does it have to be? Is there a way to bring the two groups closer together? Is there a way to find harmony between the book of the Bible and the book of nature? Hello and welcome to another presentation here at Worldviews. As we continue to release more video lessons, we will propose many ways where I believe that we can find harmony between the proposals of science and the proposals of the Bible. In today's study, I want to pull at one thread that might help unravel some of the contention between the two groups. Please join me for this important discussion. At the outset, I would like to propose that one of the greatest disconnects between Christian faith and modern science may have more to do with people's concept of inspiration than it does about what the Bible actually says. In our last lecture, we talked at length about how important it is to have a flexible approach to understanding the nature of inspiration. If we start out with a very dogmatic position of how inspiration must work, what happens is that everything will then need to be defined within the parameters of that definition. And it may turn out to be a very narrow and restrictive filter. We are likely to very quickly run into some major roadblocks and difficulties in our understanding of the Bible and how it should be applied to our lives today. In fact, I would dare say that many people, because they started out with the wrong idea of how inspiration works, have come to the point where they have nothing left to do but give up their faith altogether. I can't emphasize this point enough. Most people who give up their faith in the Bible do so not because of what the Bible says, but because they had too narrow a view of what the Bible should say, or what they thought the Bible should say, and how it should say it. The fault is not with the Bible. It is not with God's inspiration of his prophets, but how the Bible was approached. We talked about how one good approach may be to 
come to the study of the Bible with no preconceptions of how inspiration works and simply read the text and observe what happens and let that inform our understanding of what can happen under the umbrella of inspiration. I would like to take this a little further in today's study. As we develop an understanding of the nature of inspiration, as it is demonstrated in the Bible, I believe it is helpful to ask, what kind of communicator is our Creator? If you were the God of creation, how would you go about the task of sharing the principles of this universe in a way that would be best understood by those you were trying to reach? What would be the best way to communicate? Being brand new at communicating as a god, you might be tempted to do some skywriting so that all would be sure to get it direct from your finger to the eyes of everyone on earth to see forever. As dramatic and convincing as that might be, I am grateful that our Creator chose a much more personal approach. If we are open to Him and invite Him into our lives, He comes and reveals Himself directly to us through direct communication with our thoughts. To a few chosen people, he gave a special revelation of his love and will for humanity. He asked them to write these thoughts down so that they could be shared with the world and preserved through all generations. What about this special revelation. What do we know about it? When God asked his prophets to write down messages that communicate his eternal principles, how does he do that? Let's take a look at Genesis. Actually, in our very next lesson, I plan to take a very close look at the, the first chapter of Genesis, so stay tuned for that. But for today, let me just say that the Genesis account of creation seems to reflect an ancient worldview, where the earth is flat, uh, is at the center of the universe, and the sun, moon, and stars are very close to earth. Now, there are many different ways one could react to a close reading of Genesis that describes a view of the cosmos in such primitive terms. The atheists may say, Ah, you see, this proves that there's no omniscient creator God. If there was, he would have delivered a creation account that accurately describe the universe as it really is. Genesis is, is nothing more than 
the fables of an ancient Hebrew nation. The skeptic of the Bible might say, you see, the Bible gets it wrong from the very first page. There's no way that the Bible could be inspired by God. You can't trust anything that it says. Inspiration couldn't even get the simplest principles of cosmology right. Some creationists may develop the wildest proposals to try and get the words of Genesis to fit our modern worldview and cosmology and somehow arrange it in a way that we can still have a 6,000-year-old earth. The casual Christian may not even stop to examine the words of Genesis. So for him, there's no real problem. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. It's what I call a head-in-the-sand solution. The more serious Bible student may deny that the Bible author could have possibly meant what he said. I've read this before. Obviously, it doesn't mean that. Surely we have misunderstood his words. Something must have gotten lost in translation. The uncommitted may simply give up their faith and belief in a creator and become an agnostic or atheist. But I believe that there is a better solution. If we are willing to put aside our preconceived understanding of how inspiration must work and simply observe how it does work and be informed by what we observe happening in the text, I believe that we may gain a whole new insight about the Creator and how He communicates to people on earth. I believe that we will see things that we have never seen before. If you approach the study of the Bible, not as some authority, but rather as a learner, a student, an observer, I believe that you will discover new things about the Creator at every turn. Rather than be discouraged, confused, or disappointed by what we may find, because it goes against our conviction of how inspiration must work, we simply celebrate what we observe of how it does work. I know I'm belaboring this point, but I believe it is very important. Rather than try and force the Creator to communicate in a way that we believe that He should communicate, we now gain the freedom to learn about how he does communicate. We may learn that our creator is the great cross-cultural communicator. We may learn that he is the great anthropologist that 
enters into a culture in a sensitive and respectful way and works hard to open meaningful lines of communication between two minds that are separated so much in scale. As much as we might expect and hope and wish that God would have just sat the biblical authors down and told them the plain, flat-out truth about how things really are in absolute terms in a way that would nicely describe the cosmos in a way that we have come to understand the universe to be today, that is just not what we observe happening in Scripture. When we carefully analyze the creation accounts of Genesis, we observe the Creator speaking in ways that are considerate of the mindset and worldview of the people He is trying to communicate with. Instead of going in and changing their worldview, God does his best to communicate his universal truths in terms that they can identify with and understand. You know, one of the greatest things that the field of anthropology has taught us is how careful we must be when we are working within a new culture. Before anthropology became a science, we saw what happened when colonists entered new cultures and started to quickly introduce new concepts and solutions with no sensitivity to long-held traditions and belief systems. When you remove a major block from the Jenga tower of a culture, it can cause the whole culture to collapse. Today, when our scientists go in and study a primitive culture, they enter with much greater care so as not to cause cultural genocide. If there are any Trekkies out there, we might talk about the Prime Directive in the Star Trek universe, the guiding principle of the Prime Directive is to always be extremely sensitive when interacting with a new species, so as not to do or say anything that may disrupt the natural, slow development of a culture. The idea, of course, behind the Prime Directive is, again, to avoid doing anything that might cause a devastating collapse of a culture. A great example of how God appears to communicate within the context and understanding of the primary audience that he is revealing himself to is the description given in the Bible of the record-keeping system of heaven. So, the Creator wants to communicate the idea that a record is being kept of everything that happens on earth and that one day there will be a judgment. People will have to one day stand in the courts of God and have their lives examined. I want for us to 
carefully notice how the Creator communicates this idea. What he does is he comes to the great prophet Daniel and in a wonderful vision shows him scenes of this great judgment day. Let's notice one particular aspect of how Daniel describes the vision that he has seen. He says, The court was seated and the books were opened. What a visual! Every thought and action of every individual who has ever lived on this earth over thousands of years forever engraved on the books of heaven. Have you ever tried to visualize this? Some have. I remember in one of my Bible storybooks as a child, an image of an angel with a feather quill in her hand writing in a large book every action that people take on earth. Actually, when this passage is examined in the original language that it was written, it says that the court was set and the scrolls were opened. That's what the great communicator showed his prophet Daniel in a vision of the judgment where the scrolls were opened. Very interesting. I would propose that if the Creator were communicating this same concept for the very first time today through a modern-day prophet, he probably would describe the record-keeping process of heaven more in terms of a computer system, a video record, security cameras, so to speak, or perhaps some kind of holographic recording that could be one day projected in super high def on a sky screen for all to see. Symbols and images like that would communicate the concept of heaven's record-keeping system to us very clearly living in the 21st century. However, if we really stop to think about it, I believe that we would have to admit that, in reality, even the most advanced machines that we can conceive of today are probably nowhere close to the sophistication of the actual record-keeping system used in the courts of God. So, here's the point I want to make. If the Creator would have shown Daniel computers, video cameras, holograms, or the actual record-keeping system in heaven, in the vision that he gave, would Daniel have been able to understand what he was seeing? Even if Daniel would have carefully described everything that he saw, would any of the people of his day been able to understand the message? Would communication have actually happened? Can we begin to see the wisdom of the Creator using concepts and symbols that can be easily understood by the people he was trying to communicate with? 
I believe that every parent understands this concept. When trying to communicate with our two-year-olds, we don't pick up the Encyclopedia Britannica and read from it. We speak in ideas that they can grasp, or communication doesn't happen. I believe that in the same way, our Creator uses good methods of cross-cultural communication. God speaks to people where He finds them, in ways that they can understand. Using the record-keeping system of Daniel's day, the scroll, God was able to use a simple, common feature of that ancient culture to communicate a huge concept. A record is being kept. It is up to us to catch on to what is happening and not make the same mistake of our artist friend here and get the idea that there are somehow angels up in heaven that are using a feather quill to write in actual books or scrolls the actions that we take here on earth. From the words that we read in Daniel, God expects us, living in the 21st century, to pull through the big idea, the concept, the principle, and apply it to our lives today in ways that we can understand. I would propose that it would be wise to use the same principle for all of the teachings of Scripture. Look for the big concepts, the themes, the principles, the morals, the lessons. Be careful not to be too literal in your applications, especially regarding references to aspects or implements of culture, references to prevailing cosmology or philosophy that may have changed or advanced over the centuries. Let's go back to the Genesis account of creation again. As much as we might wish that God would have actually dictated the Bible word for word and used that opportunity to describe the creation event in absolute terms that best describe the actual realities of creation, using words that might resonate with us today with our 21st century cosmology, what we actually observe when we read Genesis is that the Creator instead chose to speak within the context of the culture, worldview, and understanding of the day. Rather than use language that might please scientists today, he chose instead to speak in a way that communication would be sure to happen. He leaves it to later generations to figure out what is going on here and be reasonable and responsible with the interpretation of Scripture. I believe the Creator expects us to get beyond the words He spoke to simple shepherds 
3,500 years ago and be able to appropriate from this ancient communique meaning and understanding that would be appropriate for us today. Rather than toss out the book because it doesn't put the sun, moon, and stars in the right place, how much more responsible it would be to celebrate the fact that our Creator cared enough about the ancient people groups that He was speaking to to communicate with them in ways that they would be able to understand. And after we have celebrated the Creator's respect of human culture, that we can then set about the task of applying the original intent and meaning of these ancient inspired texts to our worldview today. Consider this. If the Creator would have inspired the author of Genesis to describe the creation event according to our current understanding of the cosmos, with views of a vast universe, with over 200 billion galaxies, I propose that the concepts would have been so foreign to the thinking of the people of his day that he would not have been taken seriously as a messenger of God. Communication would not have happened. The people of that day may never have come to know about their Creator. Should we be surprised at how God chose to communicate? Should we be angry that he didn't keep us in mind when he communicated with the shepherds of Palestine? One last point I would like to make. What makes us think that we have arrived at absolute scientific truth about the cosmos? I would suggest that if God would have inspired the Genesis account so that it would satisfy the sensitivities of skeptics in the year 2020. What would happen 50 years from now when we get another paradigm shift in our cosmological understanding? Suddenly, after God has totally abandoned his original audience and instead described the creation event in ways that would make sense to us in 2020, suddenly it is wrong again. And the skeptics in 2070 rise up again saying, you see, the Bible can't be trusted. It didn't get it right. What if the Creator had just chosen to come out and describe the absolute reality of how the creation event happened? I would suggest that this would be so far beyond our science today that we would totally miss it and communication would not have happened. After all of the ink that has been spilled over the last 200 years by Christian apologists trying to make sense out of the 
Genesis account of creation, trying their best to make God look better, make God look right, look true. I would propose that God got it right after all. He communicated his message precisely how he meant to. Once again, the problem is not with the Creator. The problem is not with the way that he communicated. The problem is with us and our presuppositions about how we think inspiration must work. I would suggest that we stop second-guessing God. Stop trying to help God look better. Let us rather stand back in awe and declare, Wow, what a communicator. I want to thank you for joining us for our study. I hope that I was able to share something of value with you today. And I want to be sure and invite you to our next class, where we will be taking a close look at the Genesis account of creation as it may be presented by a skeptic of the Bible. I think that you will find this to be a very interesting and practical exercise. It might give you an insight as to how, say, a biology professor might present this to your freshman son or daughter when they go to college. What might that be like? Find out in our next episode here at Worldviews. In the meantime, I challenge you to pick up your Bible and observe how the great cross-cultural communicator spoke to people of old and to us today. So long for now. Thank you.